0: Folks, test free using Barbie's podcast. Barbie does change. I'm reading the story called "Bebop and Babysitting Beboppers." Another story about the 1950s. problem. So mom said, you has got to have babysitters to make sure shit like this doesn't happen anymore. Well, yeah. All kind of living happened. It went by me in the 1950s. I didn't have much to say about it. Some good, some bad, so maybe she's right, because every time I wake up, there are different people living here. I didn't learn names anymore, and I stopped seeing faces and who are these people maybe a bebop and babysitter is just what we all need I said to the picture ugly on the wall of my Dubliner Irish grandma mom lets everyone move in this place it's a stopover on the way to somewhere else or she's helping someone who died they come and they go she could earn money from all these floppers, but she even gave them all our food everything was free She was a goer, too. She didn't want to stay home. She wanted money, so she was eager to get out and earn her own. She hated not having any and depending on others for handouts. From two worthless, rotten, bastard husbands, as she was fond of saying in her marrying men days, To solve all her problems, Mom hired babysitters to take care of us while she went to work the 3 to 11 shift at night at the factory, just three blocks away from the apartment. The babysitters were each worse than the last in a long, tiresome string of weirdo caretakers of us. We didn't fare well. I couldn't say much about them then, but now I'm older, let me tell you what babysitters did for me and why Mom said I needed them. Here are a few things that happened with the babysitters babysitting us from 3 to 11 p.m. Babies didn't stop shit from happening. They caused it. I don't ever remember them. No one ever watched me or told me what to do. The girls just played music and laid on the couch bed kissing their boyfriends. They had a blast in my house and I hated the place. I ran in and out all the time to stay in the street to avoid all the crowds of people who blocked the way to my bed. Kids came here to dance and smoke. at some sort of hangout. Only no one is selling any soda. Dancing, whirling skirts and ponytails and bobby socks, jitterbugging and booze and kissing in neck and necking everywhere. Sure had fun and the funnest of fights, of course. One of these boys actually likes and kisses me too. I must be growing up to be kissed and fondled by these older boys. Run, run, run away, run away, I says to my dolly. All these teens clear out by 11 when Mom comes home, and then she talks to the bebop and babysitter, and then she goes to bed. She never talks to me, so I never got to told her it was too loud for us to sleep or lots of people have fun, but not me. I always had to make sure Mom was asleep before me to watch out. She didn't slap me in the face just for no reason. An accident. Oh, the stench. Yikes. Where is the babysitter to clean this up? My eyes can't believe what I see at the bottom of the stairwell, and as the eyes register a giant pool of dark maroon blood at the bottom of the stairs, lit by the morning sun, already drying it up. This is where they get liver from. This is why we need babysitters to stop all the shit from happening, Mom said when she left for work that morning. I am aware this is a very different place, and I am not from here. Blood. I think about the maroon blood. I can't get the blood thing straight in my bl- head. Human blood, animal blood, I bleed all the time. They have to burn my nose. Blood. Uh, my head hurts because I don't eat and other humans and drink their... I don't eat other humans and drink their blood, and why am I eating animals? I feel like I'm eating the dogs out in the hallway. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, I says inside my head. Mom tells me, Hey you, go back to the butcher and tell him that Polak bastard to put more blood in this ground up meat. My mother says so. That's when they hand me back the dripping, slapping, bloody dripping down my skinny arm wet package of added Jesus Christ blood. I can't think about this yet. I had to go back to the store dead all the time to get the butcher to put more blood in the dead meat. Everything was dead around me and seemed so crazy, yet I didn't have any puke left in me. In those days, I did what mom said because she said so few things. When we ate, I took the meat out of my mouth and flicked it behind the mixer. I hated it. I hate these killing lies. I said, I don't like this meat thing at all. I am a bleeder. I had a gapping deep split in my lower lip and I kept cracking it open to drink my blood when I was thirsty. I also have nosebleeds all the time. Sometimes, I lean over the sink to bleed, thinking if I stay there long enough, all the blood would just run out and be done with it. I can't understand anything at all. I have to lie around for hours with my head back, because if I get up, I'll start to nosebleed all over again. I waited and waited and waited for it to clot. Jesus, time passed forever in the forever lane and stillness invited accident ancient verse oh yes the walls talk to me the maroon dark red blood in the stairwell has to be poor dead piss eddie finally fell down the stairs and split his skull clean open mourn dead eddie now i bowed my head and managed to oh poor dead poor 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 piss eddie groaning i hope that would get me a pass in jesus book I might have told Mom that the Bebop and babysitters locked me out on the back porch that was hanging off the building by a thread. It was condemned and we weren't supposed to go out there. It was falling off, but they put me out there all the time, until I became the escape artist and learned to scale the fence that was ridiculously high and somehow I dropped to the ground safely. I walked a tall plank, I tell ya. Mom never asked about me, I suppose there was nothing to say. I wasn't there, people couldn't find me, so what is to say? I'm pretty much convinced people didn't know anything, so that explains why there are no stories about me. I left and I just became self-controlled. Mom doesn't talk to me and ignores me, so I don't know what she cares about. How would I? I knew if there was no talking I would just have to match up her words to her actions best I could and that seemed all opposite left-handed and upside-down. I'm a lefty like her. She could not be less of a mother, in that I don't have any memories of her ever touching me or smiling at me or anything. I cannot see her face. Teens. This kind of place is my house where I lived most of my life until my sister came and saved the day. All I know is no one tells me where my mother is or where she goes. I don't know. This place turns out to be a hellhole crossroads and all kinds of people coming and going, reminding me of the crossroads stories of the ancient, ancient Arabian knights, Bedouin star graders, who needed the Straits of Constantinople to be open to all for the world trade from Asia and all, but no. The Christians had to stop them from crossing over, and uh-oh. Our house was a crossroads like that—a place where everyone was suspicious of everyone else. All illegal, all traveling, heading and going. I was fond of thinking, "Just get, will ya?" Most of the time, as I just couldn't enjoy any of them. A pit stop, a crossroad, a public toilet that no one ever cleaned up. Passing through, running over, stampeding people who lived there. These poor fucking, those poor fucking indigenous. Mom says, because there's a lot of dog shit, vomit, and drunks falling down the stairs and fighting teenagers, I must have a babysitter. Babysitters will stop this hell going on, my mom says, who is the mother of three. How did I get here? I'm going to remember, I said, right then and there. When was I moved to this god-awful place? Hmm. I do know that I'm part of this family, firstborn, I have a lot of power. And, and you own a pony and will inherit all the land, my next youngest cousin told me viciously as he sicked the fierce Doberman pincher on me to try and kill me. I still see Duchess's teeth and pink throat just engulfing my head. Ah, but I was the first-born girl. Too bad, yep. Nobody said anything to stand up to protect her, the fairies whispered. As first-born grandchild, I was treated like a little queen. I was alone a lot in the big house so that I became strong. If I am firstborn, how did it come that I live here in this small apartment, this hell hole with shit and shit and puke, I cried aloud, why am I moved from the big house? It's so small and crowded, I'm constantly backing away to focus my eyes on anything. I have to back up, circle to the left, as I became in the circle of lots of spinning circles in this shitty life. Our living room was like a traffic circle, I planned my jump in and off. It was small, crowded, I had to wait. I learned to avoid all and everyone by avoiding, yeah, this is it man, going backwards, ass first. I came up through the roundabout in a living room, resembling an anti-gravity toilet in a desperate need of a flush. In bed at night, I hummed to the rattling industrial fan below at my grandparents' restaurant. Smells, I craved food I couldn't have. I peered out into the one other room through the convex glass of my Irish grandmother. She sure looked mean, sad, and stern. She's dead now, almost 80 years. She looks proud in her navy blue dress with puff sleeves. She looks the long gaze from my room across the ocean to Don Lily. She hated it here. She wished she had never come. Wished I had her curly hair. It was burnt brown, pulled up in a molasses twisted Cinnabon plopped right on top of her head. Mom doesn't talk about her to this day. Three of us lived in two rooms with a kitchenette and a small gas stove. One babysitter let the baby crawl around and turn on the gas handle and the baby turned blue and nearly died. The babysitter was somewhere and I don't know, I just heard them talk about it. The roll-away bed in the front room was used as a couch when no one was sleeping on it. In the bedroom there was a crib, a double bed, her cedar chest, a set of drawers filled with clothes that no one was strong enough ever to open. All scrunched into a room so that you had to flap on the bed to get to the dresser. My mother slept with me in the double bed until I left home at age 18. In the front room, we owned a dresser with a mirror on it, a metal closet piled to the ceiling with hat boxes. They said we had a table, I don't remember it, and the most cherished item in the house was the silver radiator. Steam, heat, banging the pipes, making a racket of glorious heat, heat. Oh, those wet dripping windows. Yummy, the smell from the restaurant below. The smoke scorching wool mittens and the wet mittens, rotted soaked socks. And never mind, go without today. The heater sometimes we cooked on. Sometimes there was a baby here too. And where did that baby came from? I was one and a half years old when the baby was born. Who is my father? Who is my mother? I often asked my own sense of wonder as I looked for the string to a kite. The hallway to my flat had a life of its own. The dangling light bulb bare with its wires, holding it to the fixture was falling off too, hanging along by a sticky gooey fly paper loaded up with flies. It caught real flies, good though, and I heard people got their hair teased up, stuck on it and all the time. There were railings on each side, it was smallish, skinny space. The steps were mud-cake, corroded, wet, and slimy. You dare not fall. At the top, you turned immediately right to the door, of the front apartment where my enemies lived, that little bastard who got me. Oh. It's weirding me out, the hallway to our place preface whatever was going inside my apartment. Dark, dingy, dimly lit, stinking, you name it. Mama's piss shit overpowered whatever smell was on you. Mom would walk up the stairway and say, Stop! Oh! Stomping her feet loudly to silent stop at the door and say, Do you hear the pots and pans rattling on the wall? Place is haunted. She would say, rolling her eyes like Fred Phelps, circles. No, I didn't dare think. I didn't hear any pots and pans, but I didn't say so. She opened the door and she said, see, when I open the door, it'll stop. Well, since there was nothing there to begin with, she'd open the door and, and stop and say, see, told you it would stop. The no sound had stopped. I didn't hear it. I was deaf. The hallway was a place I had to run through to make sure nothing got on me to try to escape. Everything that wanted in that hallway wanted to escape in that hall to get out of there. Rotted stuff clung to you as good as anyway. way. Don't get any on you, was my word warning myself, gussing up courage to run like hell through it to make it to the outside world. Escape to reality, my mantra. Holy Jesus, jumping over blood bodies. Oh, hell, somebody's got dogs. Jumbo, the giant dog, had jumbo dog shit, too, I tell ya. Oh, God, it's a melted chocolate ice skating rink out here with punch and puke and vomit smells. Stanky, spring was coming. There is proof in the pudding. Mom says I need a babysitter. I see me clearly. I am this baby they talk about. I am the baby who is toddling around. You remember vividly seeing yourself in the window pane. On the left side of the hallway door were some kind of broken dressers and a bunch of old window frames. The frame was supposed to hold six pieces of glass, but most were broken out. You see yourself in the window pane, you see that when you move, the baby in the window moves too. You believe the image of you in the window glass is the real you. You still remember your baby picture in the window pane. I wander up to the pane to see if I'm there. Oh, there I am, in the glass, I say. I can see how cute and slightly curled hair, gosh, I remember not crying and not laughing and not doing anything. I remember being silent. Even though mom tells me I'm so sunny, every wanted to adopt me, but she would never let any of them have me. She got taken to court for neglect, but somehow she talked them out of it. I wish she would let us go with, live with other people. Look, you have that beat up old dolly with you. And a bottle on the other hand, you wonder where the dolly came from. I see my face looks blank and bland. Already I know I am old. My diaper is wet, sagging with shit and I am sick to death of it. The window pane is my reality. I used to go there to look at her, to see if she was there or gone, and thought I was invisible. This is how I lived. I thought she was invisible most of the time, but in the window pane, she was there. She was in the pane. The only one looking in the pane wasn't real, so she couldn't speak. So why does she speak? She thought when looking was not real, but when she saw myself in the window pane, I thought, oh, there I am. I'm there in the glass, and it made me feel good to know where I was. As a toddler, Mom says I need a babysitter. I'm in the way years. Who are the babysitters? They're spawned by word of mouth. Who the hell really lives here? It's a good place for every wayward teen to come through the revolving door as if a soda fountain. I've been waiting. Mom has no face. Wow, I saw her in the mirror. She really is pretty. How come she's invisible to me? She's a ghost that came and went. The constant was the furniture, the bed, the crib, the glass. And who are these people? Why am I watching this? Why do I have to know these things? Oh, I didn't see it. I did. It was that guy in the trench coat, soon to be his trench coat, innocent Mr. Turdy Liver, Turdy Lurdy, as his liver exploded, and he fell down the stairs. Man, that's whose blood it was, two inches deep on the bottom landing of the stairwell. I thought it was Pizzetti. When the body burst, he must have lost his balance and fell down, cracking his skull on the landing. He must have bled out. I had seen the body there a day ago, and now it's gone. Move on. The blood is still there. No time to think. I got to get over the blood. I leap in the street. I get over the blood, and I went somewhere for the rest of my fucking life. Fuck you all. I still scream every time I left the door well. Fuck you all. I'm under nine. I need a babysitter, Mom says. At last, the final reason I need a babysitter's treacherous roof. The laddering, ladder leading to the roof had nothing on the stairs that Anna Frank didn't use, hiding from the Germans in her diary movie. She used to venture up there to hang her clothes and seek freedom in the night air. I'd like to thank the half wall up to my armpits for holding me in place and not letting me talk hop over ass and tea kettle into the busy sidewalk below. The smell of tar up there was just delicious. Must have been a real oil well itself. Bubbling tar. So hot you'd poke it and burst it. But the bubbles never seemed to go away. Ah. The reeling really gasoline intoxicating like smell of napalm in Dresden. After... Accidental firebombing by those lost British planes on their way to Berlin, destroying all the fucking art in the second fucking war. Dullards, firebombing centuries of art, dullards. No heart. Many awful things happen in Dresden. I'm trying not to be here, but where I can smell the dried old wool, dusty particles dancing as they tickle my nose in the streaming pissy sunlight. Pissetti, save me. Pissetti, help me. Anna Frank, not far from Dresden. Stop it. Switch. Start. Talk over. I can never talk. The wooden dust particles changed in the sun rays, doing splits all over the floor. Beautiful. I realize all I may have is a series of snapshots. Other body senses take over when my eyes don't want to see. Yup. I like that about me. I fly the fuck out of here. Phew. Lucky fucking me, I almost got lost there, what the fuck? So how is the born grandchild of immigrants who was heir to fortune moved to a bug-infested hole above the restaurant, humming to the fish fry exhaust fan, to presently, now, needing to be supervised, educated, and wooed into life by, excuse me, fucking babysitters? Hello? I don't think so. What? I got sick. Mom says I need a babysitter because I got sick. I got really sick. I got tunnel vision and was dizzy most of the time. I constantly saw a dim switch on, tolerating throbbing ear infections after ear infections, drinking penicillin by the bottle combined with big shots in my ass. I had extended bloody noses, all kinds of skin diseases, cracked and bloodied lips, and when I began having terrifying dreams, round eight, one I cannot seem to get over. It comes again and again and again throughout a cursed life, but I am getting better. This is a dream. Howling, screaming for help, and no one comes ever to save you. It begins with a putrid smell of vomit. I have expelled, and then the dream images emerge. Your wire springer bed frame is the exact middle of the room. There is one long, dangling light hanging directly over the bed. The room has gray walls, high ceilings on the, and on the wall to the right is the fireplace with a marble mantelpiece. Above that are dark markings of where a large picture was once hung. This is a bombed-out shell of a house during the war. This is an abandoned building heading for demolition in the firestorm at Dresden. Soon to come, once the POWs are hidden in Slaughterhouse-5, it will be napalmed, firebombed, melted, art never burnt so wet is all that emotion hand by artists' souls and intention evaporated as a civil punishment for those fucking, by those Nazi fucking bastards. I suppose they did to their own people what they did to the world, bomb them into peace. Fucking bullies. Nazis make life hate the death in all of us i know that's what i hate in men's eyes that big black pupil snuffed out irish look gone black dead men's eyes dresden filled the dust and cold and damp infecting the world and kept a quiet secret outside there's a blinking red light flashing again and again it's all you can see it's a very bright red light and it's shininess continually Through the two long windows, just barely showing a deserted, dust-burnt, covered gray building topples and bricks smashed. There is no one else around. You're lying on the bed asleep. You look down at yourself. You see your hair is all stringy and you have mismatched socks. There's no blanket. You lay on your side, drooling and shivering, but still asleep. One window is open, blowing cold into the room. It all smells like ashes from the fireplace. Used many years ago when you hear the bombs going off and smell the artist's soul ascending, screaming in horror. Everything takes life and begins to move in the room. You watch yourself from the ceiling being stirred by the rumbling of the room and roars again. The walls on each side of the bed begin to close in closer and closer. They come to squashing your bed and killing you, killing you. The walls inch up, sweat, the roaches run all over you trying to escape as the walls stop at your bedside. Then they return to their place. Then the ceiling and floor begin to squash toward each other to kiss. Your screaming becomes useless so you stop again. You move out of the way the dangling light bulb and the two just meet. They cannot completely collapse because the bed frame keeps them apart. You are on some ride from terrorized hell. Back and forth, the walls come and go, and up and down the ceilings and the floor they try to meet. You cannot do anything. This is a room of pain. You are helpless. You just lay there with the red lights blinking on and off, wondering when and how you will die. You are such a young child. You expect death to come soon. The roar and the dirt swill and fill your being, and you must give up any hope of escape. Dresden, art. You just lay there eventually you accept there's nothing nothing you can do you're trapped in the meat packing warehouse with Vonnegut and slaughterhouse five and you will tell yourself it's just a windstorm it's just a windstorm they couldn't really be burning art could they no matter what you do you are trapped you're nearly dead You have the stream over and over, screaming and screaming over and over, no help anywhere. There's never any more colors than red and shade of gray, and of course, your mismatched socks. I should comb my hair, I said. It's a mess. You're so skinny and slight and broken that you're even ashamed of the girl you see. She's starving, you said, beholding herself in the dream. Someone should help her, you said. I will. You said that one of these dreams was over. You, of course, think you were set free out of the meat locker in Dresden with Vonnegut and the other Brits during the firebombing the night before. The death of the soul of having to continually give up efforts of love and creativity to survive and you mourn the loss of art rather than the people tending it. Somehow people don't interest you anymore after that. I left. Mom says I need a babysitter because you hate it here just like me but you gotta stay here as I looked up her nostrils. I just looked at her and thought there's no one or no thing except my doll that is not and never was any kind of home here and why should I stay here. She hollered at me all the time but I never knew what she said. It was always like that. I played outside on the sidewalk and everyone just walked around me. I was oblivious. I preferred the ants and the sand cracks of the sidewalk. and I'd much rather find mother spiders. I didn't hang around in front of the restaurant. There was too many feet. I ventured off and up the street to my wooded area. I was an outsider. This park is like the one I stared at in the big steamy hot city with a gun factory. It's a magical place with giant, giant oak trees and a swing. I swung and swung barefoot and croned at the top of my lungs. Oh, the wayward wind is a restless wind, a restless wind that yearns to wander, and you were born the next of kin. A next of kin to the wayward wind. In a lonely shack by a railroad track, she spent her younger days. She tried her best to settle down, but she's a slave to the wayward wind. I would swing and swing in the park for hours and sing that song. This was I, wayward, westward, definitely not here. And the boys have begun stoning me in the park to get out of their ball field. Go on home, you girly girl, and put a shirt on. But anyway, I did try to wear a shirt, but I didn't like them. I put them around the bushes, but it was too late. The boy in the front apartment had already got me. He grabbed me in the hallway and dragged me up to the attic. I was in the mattress in a large room. There the sun shone through the broken window pane and the dust particles filled the air. The ticky-tacky horse feathers, Pissetti smells. He hit his pants down and pulled all of my clothes off too, but I was too little. He couldn't get it in really, really, really. He tried and tried with his hands over my mouth, but I was one hell of a fighter. The attic smells of dried wood, yellow light, and dust. I always tried to count the dust particles floating in the air when he was on me, but it was impossible when he was pinning me down. It smells and gags me again and again. I have to run practically and throw myself down the stairs to get by this ex-crazed maniac. He catches me coming in and out of my house, and it's awful. Even when I have the baby with me, he would get me and drag me upstairs, leaving my baby in the hallway. I hope the baby doesn't fall down the stairs. Boy never takes long to spurt out his creamy stuff, so it happened so fast that I just think, oh what the hell. I just hate getting in my hair, my face. It's so sticky. I hate washing. I managed to wipe it all over the old, crummy, dirty, filthy, pissy mattress. So dirty and dusty. I use every dirty trick I can to protect us, but he wins. He is brutal to the baby and steals anything we have, like money or food. I just just have to put up with it, I tell you. I told. The adults took him and held his hands in the fire. I sure thought they would put his pecker in there and toasted it. How come just his hands? I don't remember who was at the hand burning. I think I see my mother laughing. He sure hollered like hell, hell, and I laughed too. I always laughed when people got hurt. No one said a word to me about any of it. I guess I won. I guess... Somehow he was not to touch me, but I have no idea. I put this together. I don't remember this being said. I'm so relieved when he moves out. What a family of trash. What lights my fire is that I've been beaten up and raped and I'm not strong enough to protect myself. I hate this anything more than anything. You hear me? Everyone is stronger than me. I hate them and everybody. I feel like a painter in Dresden who died, running, clutching my life's work as the Brits and Americans fire up a firestorm gas bombing. I just couldn't stop the fucking lunatics and I, cause I'm just so little. And I know I'm living in a red zone of death because I knew everything was cockeyed, wrong, strictly speaking from a pain in my body standpoint of view. My mom took over, she's a sight to see. She wore denim overalls covered with dark black engine grease and a tee covered with a long apron that nearly touched the ground and covered a grease that she never washed. She looked terrible walking through town like a grease monkey because she was wild. I can't seem to think this was my mom yet every single Sunday she stared at herself in the mirror and admired herself like that man in the gray mansion room used to do in the faraway city in another city. That's another story. She thought she was queen. On Sunday she marched as if she owned the joint, nose up, swearing at everybody around her. I wanted to do- die. Even though she looked good, she had a superiority complex and a foul mind. She was goddamn pretty though. She was greasy one day and dressed up on Sunday. But her hands always shone black grease around every crack and fingernail. Her hands made her own the social class she was from, the working class she could never escape. But every Easter we had new outfits and purses and shoes and matching and she loved gloves and hats and she bought nice things. We starved. She cursed and shoved her way to the front, dragging us always late. Entrance of shame, we lived in the white... We lived in white fox coats, crawling on our knees for Catholic absolution. What a work of medieval art she was. She worked in a loud, filthy, dirty factory. She loved her friends and was always fighting for someone's rights, though she herself had very few. She did have victories, though, saving the people's jobs when the boss men said they should be fired. She was a real Irish Catholic, honest to God, fighting Irish gal who would give you the time of day at the drop of a dime, and no one doubted that. A hellcat spitfire the poor thing, too unruly to love, I guess, either to give or to get it. She was unsuccessful like Maureen O'Hara in the movie when John John Wayne threw her over his knee and spanked her. So mom had to pull in these reins before we ended up dead. She wanted all the fun stopped and the town's babysitters to get replaced by my long lost half-sister. Mom came in and said, this is your sister, Delilah, straight out of the Bible with all the black hair and all. She's going to live with us now, and she's the new babysitter. Delilah had to clean up this act and fast. All I remember is less people around. She lived with us for three horrible years. I hardly remember her at all. She had a horrendous violent life with mom and I was home less and less and I never did know much was going on except for a lot of fuel and fire. I wrote my sister's story elsewhere. My sister calmed down the fire but heated it up in a different way. She was smarter than our own mom. She had to take over. She came out of nowhere to confront our dragon mother at 14. I guess a half-bred sister would work as a bebopping babysitter I needed. The end. Thanks for listening. This is Test Free.